If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. Good morning, everyone. Praise God. Good to see all of you. And welcome all of you who are with us today for the first time. Uh, we pray that your experience here will be one that's very inspiring for you and that you will truly have an encounter with the Lord that will bless your life, will grow you, and just understand that we're happy to have you here and we always have a seat for you at One Cause Church. Uh, we also have a Sunday, uh, an earlier ser- service than this, uh, that's at 9.30, so we welcome to come to that service as well. And then when- Wednesday nights, we have a Bible study, uh, and we get into, uh, right now we're in the book of Romans, and we walk through the Bible basically verse by verse on Wednesdays, and that's at 7. Our Thrive Youth, our teenagers meet Thursday nights at 7 o'clock with our youth pastor, Jonna Allen. Jonna, stand up there. And stay up, stay up, stay up, stay up. This girl here needs your prayers this week, as well as all of the leaders as they're going to youth camp, leaving tomorrow morning for Youth for the Nations down in Dallas, and they'll be there all week, so please keep them in your prayer. And uh, understand, parents, how many of you parents have kids going? We've got about 30 kids, I think, going to camp this year. So just understand, I'm going to just warn you ahead of time that... It's supposed to rain all week, which we're happy about that. We love the rain, but your kids are going to come home a little funky, probably, <laughs> as a result. So when you don't have to say, what's that smell? You'll already know ahead of time what that smell is. It's a youth camp in the mud and rain. That's all I'm going to say. And we have, all the way from North North Texas, Canada... Our extended family, Rod and Barbara, are here, and Tanner and Tyler, and of course, Brooks here. We're really glad to have you guys. They're, they're in service with us a lot via podcast, uh, but today they're here with us live and in person, and we're really happy to have you all with us. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Numbers as we are in the fourth book of the Bible. We're walking through all 66 of them over however long that's going to take, getting to know the Bible a little bit more. Um, so we are, we are taking stops in each book, and I've constructed a map for us to do this and how we're going to look at each book. And I've uh, given an acronym, MAP. M stands for memento. Whenever you go on a trip, you go on vacation, you usually like to gather souvenirs, bring them home, and maybe you know give your family a coffee mug or a refrigerator magnet. And uh, to remember your trip by or a t-shirt or something like that. So we're going to be bringing mementos all along the way from these books in the Bible. And these have to do with what can I do with what's in this Bible? How can I live this? What do I need to focus on from this book? How can I take this into my life? All right. And then the A stands for attraction. You know, wherever you go, uh, cities are vying for your attention. You c- must come and see what we're about. Come and see this. And these are the big ideas, the big stories, maybe the big theological truths throughout these books that we're going to stop and we must see the most one, one of the most important parts of that book. And then P stands for the person of Jesus. You know, this whole Bible is really him. 
It's all about him. In the Old Testament, it's not as obvious because he is, in there, it's Christ concealed. He's behind the veil, uh, so to speak. But in the New Testament, he's Christ revealed. But we're going to see the person of Jesus throughout all of the Bible. And, and, in, and in the Old Testament, he's more seen in types and shadows, okay? So uh, that's, that's how we've laid out the outline for each week that we come into every book of the Bible. I know last week, my beautiful wife, Heather, um, preached on Leviticus. That was not intentional, but I was sure glad she got Leviticus. I just have to say that. Uh, if, you, if you have ever read Leviticus, how many of you have ever read the book of Leviticus? All right. Uh, it's a slow read. Did you find that out? That it's a slow read. And, uh, but it's a powerful, powerful book. Um, because really it's all about blood. It's all about blood. That, that man's whole approach to God had to come by blood. They had to bring a blood sacrifice of, a, of an animal, whether that was to just give thanks to God or whether it was for a sin that they had committed. Either way, we see Christ there because his blood, hallelujah, has taken away sin once for all. It is the once for all sacrifice. Praise God. So those things were just simply types and shadows, just a covering until Jesus could come and really do what needed to be done to save us from our sins. Amen. So um, I think last week's memento was, I am favored, fruitful, and he causes me to increase. That's glorious. Uh, I was in Raton, New Mexico last weekend preaching at a at an, under a tent, like the old-time gospel preachers used to. Uh, there's a rancher out there by the name of Jim Ritchie and his family, and this is the fifth year that they have this tent meeting out there on their property and, uh, and have different speakers come in. It's about 10 days or so, and so I, me and my brother both got invited this year. He's had my dad come out several years, and uh, so we all, all the hollers got to preach under the tent uh, this time. It was, a, it was just a great time to, to be out there and... Uh, be in that atmosphere, but it's good to be home in the great state of Texas. Numbers, did I tell you where to go yet? Numbers chapter 11. Let's go to Numbers chapter 11. We're going to look at our memento today, and uh, it has to do with the Spirit of God upon us and therefore our ability to prophesy. Y'all don't go quiet on me yet. You really can prophesy. Matter of fact, you need to prophesy. You probably do and don't even realize that you do. Because we have kind of funny ideas about what a prophet sounds like, right? You got the finger up, thus saith the Lord, right? Well, all right, that might be part of it. Maybe some people do prophesy like that. As a matter of fact, I know they do. Uh, and But a lot of times it will happen in, in your daily conversation that you are speaking life and even speaking on God's behalf sometimes and don't even realize that something is happening in the hearer in their heart by you just having a conversation. It's interesting how God uses us, but because his spirit is on us, he's always speaking. Yes. And even when you're speaking, you might not even realize you're speaking for him. Yes. You are his Right now, prophet in the earth, glory to God, because his spirit is upon you. So it's not just about standing, giving attention to a prophecy, even though there are times for that, but then it can just be an encouraging someone. The scripture teaches us in Corinthians that prophecy is for comfort, it's for edification, it's for exhortation 
for all men. All right, so this is something that helps build people's lives, therefore build the church. Now, this is interesting. Verse 27 of Numbers 11 says, And a young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Where is Pearl? Is that you back there? Eldad is the dad in Spanish, right? Okay. Verse 28. So Joshua, the son of Nun. How does that Nun have a son? Uh, it's two, it's two, two for two so far. Two for two. <laughs> so Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one, I, I promise you, I won't be goofy the entire time. One of his choice men answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. All right, verse 29. Then Moses said to him, are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Moses is actually foreseeing this day. He's actually declaring what was really in the heart of God, not just in his own heart, but was in the heart of God that all God's people could have the Spirit of God on them and therefore prophesy. Now, the reason this, what this story has to do with is that Moses had come to a place as the leader of, of Israel, that he was completely worn out. He was done. They, they, they continually complained. I mean, you imagine he's, he's overseer, uh, over about two and a half to three million people. Can you imagine? And he's always hearing them complaining. It, it can, it's never enough. And so finally Moses has this real down-to-earth conversation with the Lord that sounded something like this. God, if this is my lot in life, if this is my inheritance, is what you call me to do, kill me now. <laughs> kill me here and now. That's what he said. Kill me here and now. I cannot do this. You've got to help me. So the Lord said, okay, I want you to appoint 70 guys. Get them up to the tabernacle. And then I will take from your spirit and put it on the 70. And they'll bear that burden with you. So they called 70 guys together. And the scripture says that the cloud came down. That's how the Lord, remember, revealed himself in the wilderness. A cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. The cloud came down and God took of the spirit that he had placed on Moses and put it, divvied it up amongst these guys. And the scripture says they started prophesying. And then they never prophesied again because the spirit did not deal with men as he does now. He would come and he would leave. But you and I have an experience where he stays with us for amen, good. Amen. But watch, what happened was out of the 70, out of the 70, two actually didn't go to the tabernacle. Two stayed in the camp. And their names were Eldad and Medad. But yet they started prophesying. The Spirit came upon them too, and they were prophesying in the camp. And so this young man comes and tells Moses, hey, there's two guys in the camp prophesying. And, this, and Joshua, who's, who's Moses' right-hand guy, he says, you got to stop this. And Moses said, no, you're zealous for my sake. I mean, I know you love me and you're loyal to a fault. But listen, this, this is what should be all the time, that the, that the Spirit of God would be upon all, and that all would prophesy. Wow. It's interesting, though, I, 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 when I first read that story, I thought, well, why didn't God kill those guys as he was used to doing up to this point for anybody that had any complaint or even disobeyed? Let's just thank God for Jesus for just a moment that he took all the wrath of God upon himself and all the judgment of God. God judged him. And says that he now, he is sin. Jesus became sin for us that we would become the righteousness of God in him. He became a curse. Hallelujah. Do you understand the difference that he made for us? 
I mean, if God was upset, people died. He's not upset anymore. He got over it. He got over his anger. Oh, mm-mm-mm. that's why it's important that we look at the Old Testament and go, my God, Jesus made that much difference? Yeah, if God just got ticked off, he'd just kill people. There was no one to stand in the gap for them. There was because of this sin that was separating us from God, and there was no, no, no blood that could actually remove them from their sin. So everybody was prone to wrath. And so <laughs> I find it interesting to get to this spot, and these two guys did not obey the command to go to the tabernacle, and yet the Spirit of God comes upon them, and they're prophesying to them. They go, okay, Lord, this is kind of different from you, what you've normally done to people that don't obey you here, except their names, Eldad and Medad. Eldad means God has loved, and Medad means love. You know what we're really seeing here? The higher law. The higher law. Love is the highest law. God has loved, and love are in the camp. And those two things kind of trump all other laws. And the Spirit of God rests upon them. And they actually are the example for us today. I want you to say this with me. The Spirit of God God is on me. So I prophesy. I want you to get that in your mind. See yourself as one, not only who can, but who does. Prophesy. All right? Like I said, it can just be maybe a phrase. You'd be talking to someone, all of a sudden you see a picture maybe even, or you feel like you need to say a certain thing to someone. Just say it. Believe that you are an agent for God's purposes. Believe that God is using you and wants to use you more and more for His glory. Believe that you're connected to a kingdom that has no end, that your life is made up of more than just this, what you see in the mirror every day, but we are, we are spirits, hallelujah, and there are things going on in the spirit, these mysteries of God that want to be revealed to men, and He needs people to speak those mysteries that are all always obvious to us on the surface, but yet, you know, the Scripture says that the prophet speaks the secrets of men's hearts, that God is able to talk to people's hearts through prophecy. It's interesting. Yes. I found that to be true. I know that, that there are very personal things just between me and God, and somebody has prophesied to me that very thing that was inside of me. I thought, ooh, only, only God can know that. But then what's cool is, is that God is there to let you know, I know what's going on. I see you. I see your heart, and I'm in this thing with you. And it helps us all understand just how important we are to him. Yes. Yes. Prophecy yeah. is just God's knowledge revealed. Sometimes we need those specific things spoken to us because, you know, though all the Bible is true, not all of it, it deals with all the specifics of life. Right. So it's yeah. good to have prophecy based on Scripture to help guide us along the way and confirm things that God, we feel, has already been speaking to us. I know that prophecy has definitely been a, a good thing for my life and helped guide me through some very important decisions in my life. There's, there's a prophecy that was just recently uh, spoken here in our church that has come to pass, ladies and gentlemen. I'm excited to share this with you today. That uh, Do you remember when um, Roxanne... Roxanne Alexander was here in February. Roxanne, she, you know, she's, 
great minister and comes here every year for our prophetic conference. And I, took, I, I know that I've talked to lots of you. We've had lots of guys come in and, and prophesy and teach on that kind of thing. But she kind of trumps all of them, doesn't she? I mean, she's, she's our favorite. Yeah. And because uh, I, lo- I love Roxanne because she's so solid in the word. And when she stands and prophesies, it's, it's just powerful. And, and in February when she came here, um, we had only had, we had only, we were just about to begin our Spanish church there in Dallas, along with our English church, uh, English-speaking church there, um, and we were about to launch that the very next month with Pastor Chris and Mary Lou Quinones, and now that's going on, hallelujah. But while Roxanne was here, she, <laughs> she was standing, I remember Chris was sitting right here, and she starts talking about our church, and she said, and she closed her eyes. She said, I see three churches. No, 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 four churches. Of course, I'm on the front row going, are you kidding me? Slow down. What are you talking about? I mean, we're just getting these two congregations up. I mean, these two locations up. She says, I see three, no, four. Of course, I'm just like, whoa. Okay, well, we'll see about that. <laughs> we'll see if she's a false prophet. I wouldn't. I wasn't thinking that. I believe her because she's she's said so many things that have come true for us. But I thought, wow, God, what are you doing? What is your plan here? In toward the end of April, I had a dream one night. It was a Tuesday night. Had a dream that I was standing in the auditorium at Christ for the Nations, uh, where all the kids are going tomorrow. I love that school. It's where I graduated Bible school and teach. My dad is now the director of the yeah. Institute. Hallelujah. Yeah. And, I, and I, in that dream, my dad is standing with me in the main auditorium there, and there's this glass office. It's all glass walls. And he's telling me, that's your new office. And there's a man, a woman, and their son in there. And he's an older son, like late teens, early 20s. And he's telling him, you got to get out. You got to get out. You got to get out. And so they're grabbing all of their stuff. And this man is a cowboy. Not a Dallas cowboy. A cowboy. <laughs> and so they grab all their, they're grabbing all their stuff. And he's rushing them out. And he's telling them, that's your office. That's your new office. And so I woke up the next day. And I was telling Heather about it. I said, I had a weird dream. It was really strange. So Thursday morning, Derek and I drive down to CFNI, and I teach my class, and we're heading back, and my phone rings, and it's my dad. And he says, "Um, our friend, Brandon Mercer in Granbury, Texas, who oversees that church, started it 15 years ago, and oversees another church, another campus down in DeLeon, Texas. Anybody ever heard of DeLeon, Texas? Home of Clark Tractors. Anyway, <laughs> says he's resigning and he wants to give you his two churches. Wow. Wow. I said, really? He said, yeah, and he's asked for Brandon Marshall to come pastor the Granbury Church. Wow. I said, really? I don't like this at all. <laughs> So I got off the phone. I told Derek, I said, I just had the weirdest conversation. And told him about it. And then I remembered that dream. And Pastor Brandon Mercer's a cowboy. He's a farrier. And uh, 
He has a wife and he has a son. I didn't even know he had a son. That's 20 years old. And I thought about that dream. It came to my mind. So I called my dad and I told him. And as I'm sitting there telling about the dream, my dad's like, boy, that's awfully specific, son. I think this might be the Lord. I said, yeah, I feel like that too. And then Derek said, not three churches, but four. I went, oh my gosh. So I met with Pastor Brandon. And as is, we are always, my dad especially, placing guys in ministry, guys who have a desire to pastor and, um, you know, be in ministry. We're always trying to help them find that place and do it. And my dad had talked to Brandon several times before because we've had several opportunities to be placed, and Brandon always told him, no, 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 no. So I meet up with Brandon and tell him about this whole experience. That, later on that afternoon, we're sitting at Starbucks, and I said, this is it. And I didn't get an immediate no. He just sat back in his chair and said, hmm. I said, I'm not asking for an answer. Now. Well, I'll, I'll, do it if, I'll do it if you want me to. I know you'll do it if I want you to, but I don't want that to be the reason why you do it. He said, okay. Two days later, we meet up, and they are ready to rock and roll with this church in Granbury. That's where he is today. He's preaching there. July 6th, we will become four churches. All because someone prophesied, not three, but four. By the way, the church in Granbury, they have 100 people come regularly to that church. Easter Sunday, they had 186 people there. The entire property, the building, everything is debt-free. They just built, or actually about to finish, a 250-seat auditorium, no debt, sits on 14 acres, and it's valued at about a million dollars, and it's being given to us. I don't know why God is so good, but I sure am glad he is. However, I am going to miss Brandon Marshall being here. Next Sunday, he and Sarah will be with us, and uh, that'll be their last Sunday um, here. Of course, they're going to live in McKinney. They're going to stay in the area, so we'll see them from time to time. But we're launching them out. It's time. It's time. And uh, maybe Brandon will share with you some, even some of the dreams and things he had that helped confirm that this was God. It's extraordinary. <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Therefore, I prophesy. Get that in your heart. Believe that God will use you even this week in that way to reveal the secrets of God. Are you still with me? Yeah. All right. I know what time it is. But the soccer game ain't till 4. So, all right. You remember when the guest speaker showed up at the church and he said, Pastor, how long do you want me to preach? He said, you can preach all day long. We all leave at noon, though. <laughs> all right. Let's, let's, let's go, to the, go to the attraction for just a moment. <laughs> I spent more time on that than I expected to, but I'm excited. Wow. Is this great or what? Huh? Is God blessing us? God's expanding us? God's, I, don't, I don't know what he's doing, but I'm, I'm doing my best to follow him. Yeah. And it's good. Yeah. I do know it's good. And he's taking us in a, in a, in a, to a greater place. Yes. Amen. 
Amen. Numbers 22. Let's look at this. This is a great story. Numbers chapter 22. This is the attraction. This is the, this is the place we must see. There's some marvelous places in Numbers, that, but this one uh, is just unique enough that we need to look at it. Then God's anger was aroused because, kind of no surprise here, right? You read the Old Testament, you kind of see this thing a lot. It was aroused because he went and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him and he was riding on his donkey with his two servants with him. Okay, now this is a man by the name of Balaam. Balaam is a, is a sorcerer. He um, is a soothsayer. But back then... Curses being spoken and blessings being spoken had the same effect, all right? This king by the name of Balak, he was the king of a place called Moab, had heard about Balaam that he said, I heard about you, whatever you curse is cursed, and whatever you bless is, is blessed. I need you to come and say a curse over this nation called Israel because they have been taking over city after city after city, and now they're bumped up against our land, Moab, and I know that they're going to whip the dog out of us. So we need some help. I need you to come and pronounce a curse. So at first he refuses, and then Balak sends some more guys to try to persuade him. And then Balaam actually goes to the Lord and says, should I go? And the Lord said, only if they come and ask you, uh, then you can go with them. Well, he didn't follow the Lord's instructions. He just got up and went with them the next morning, all right? And this is why the anger of the Lord was aroused against him. For one thing, this guy is not one of the children of Israel, all right? So he's certainly more susceptible to the anger of God. All right, so he's on this donkey and his two servants with him. Verse 23, let's keep reading. Now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And this donkey said, I am out of here. He sees this huge angel with this sword drawn, and man, he takes off for the field. All right, so Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back onto the road. 24. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on this side and a wall on that side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall. Can you imagine? Trying, just trying to get away, but now they're in a narrower place and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, so he struck her again. Poor donkey. <laughs> then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either right to the right hand or to the left. Verse 27, and when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she laid down under Balaam. I mean, this poor thing just gave up. So Balaam's anger was aroused and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. And she said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? Could you imagine He's beating this donkey, and finally she says, what have I done? Why do you keep hitting me? Right? I mean, that's a marvelous wonder in and of itself. But to me, this is even more marvelous, the very next thing. And Balaam said to the donkey, what? What do you mean he said to, he just, like this is normal? Like, you see talking donkeys all the time? I would have reacted a little different than that. If my donkey had turned and started talking to me, my first reaction would be, ah! real, something real similar to that. This donkey's talking. What is going on? I feel like I'm in a C.S. Lewis book. 
And, and Balaam said to the donkey, look, he's so mad. I don't even think he's, he's just too mad to even think about what's going on. He just strikes up a conversation with the donkey. Because you have abused me, he says, I wish there were a sword in my hand for now I would kill you. You, can't, you don't want to kill a talking donkey. You make money on a talking donkey. <laughs> All right, verse 30. So the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey on which you have ridden ever since I became yours to this day? Was I ever disposed to do this to you? And he said, you make a good point there, donkey. No, not only can you talk, but you make sense. (laughs) Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. Yeah, he finally saw what the donkey saw. The story goes on. Isn't this a marvelous thing? The Bible is so full of stories like this. That's why we're walking through it to see these marvelous things that God has done and to learn about how powerful and awesome and mighty he is. And his ability is endless. That he'll use a donkey if he has to to speak to this people. Now, that's really, though, just God showing Balaam what he can do with a voice and with a mouth. Balaam gets permission from the Lord to go ahead and go, but the Lord said, you'll not say anything that I don't tell you to say. So he gets to Balak. Balak has hired him, and he takes him up on this high place up in the mountains, and he looks out over Israel. He says, see this people? They're mighty. I need you to pronounce a curse over them. So Balaam says, okay, build seven altars, and I want you to roast a bull on each one and a ram on each one. And so he did. And then Balaam turns to the Lord and says, what do I need to say? And then the Lord puts a word in his mouth, the Scripture says, and then Balaam stands up. Now, I, want, I just want to read a couple of things that he said, all right? So Balak is waiting for this guy to pronounce the curse over him. And here's what he says. Numbers 23, 8. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? How shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? And then he says these other blessings over Israel. And Balak says, whoa, no, 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 no. I heard you to curse them. You blessed them. No, no, no. No, no, no. Let's go to this other spot. So he takes him to this other spot. He says, see him from here? Maybe you can curse him from this angle. All right? So then Balaam says, okay, make seven sacrifices, slay seven bulls and seven rams. So he does all that again. And Balaam turns to the Lord, and the Lord puts a word in his mouth. And then we find a little further down in chapter 23, he says, God is not a man. He's looking out over Israel. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord his God is with them, and the shout of a king is among them. Now, at this point, you would think Balak has learned his lesson. This is not going to go well for you, Balak. So far, strike two. Then he takes it upon himself to take him yet to another place. Well, maybe you can curse him from over here. He does this two more times, and all Balaam does is pronounces blessings over Israel. 
Now I want us to jump back to chapter 21 where we will see we're going to find the person of Jesus here. Now I want you to hold on to that thought for just a moment that says he has not observed iniquity in Jacob and he has not seen evil in Israel or wickedness in Israel. This is what he's saying about God the way he sees Israel. But just two chapters earlier, we're going to find ourselves here where that's quite different than what this guy just said. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread, speaking of the manna that the Lord provided for them every day. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. Ooh. Now, fiery meaning that that was, the, that was the way the poison, when it entered the body, it would burn. And they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Like I said, if God just got upset, people died. Aren't you glad he's not upset anymore? All right. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. Let me ask you a question. God sending those snakes into the camp to, to judge the people for, for their complaint, is that God observing iniquity, and is that God seeing their wickedness? Yes. So this guy stands up there and says, he's not observed iniquity. Really? Because if you read Exodus and Numbers and Leviticus, that's all you see is God observing sin. How is it that he can say that? Well, when it's different. Now, when God's having family talk, when he's talking to you, when your father's correcting you, well, that's between you and him. But if somebody on the outside has something to say about you, God goes to your defense and says, no, they're perfect in every way. I don't see any problems with this people. I don't, do, I don't see any sin. I don't see any wickedness, even though just, I just sent fiery serpents into. But that's for me to decide, not for you to decide. That's right. You have an older brother today yes. whose name is Jesus, yeah. who's seated at the right hand of his father, and the scripture says he's praying for you. He's saying yeah. nothing but good things about you. Right. He doesn't right. observe Amen. your iniquity. He doesn't observe your sin doesn't see it, doesn't see your faults and failures. As a matter of fact, Jesus sees more than that. He sees himself when he sees you. Yes. Amen. Because you are like him now in the spirit. God sowed a seed, that seed being called his son, and that seed had to produce how God taught the seed to produce after its own kind. Yes. Yes. Amen. When he sowed his son, he reaped many sons. Right. Scripture says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, be yeah. the only begotten son. Ladies and gentlemen, let me help you today. He's not the only begotten today. Amen. He was. Amen. But now the scripture says he's the firstborn among many brothers. Amen. All right. So what, what happened? So Moses prayed for the people, all right? These fiery serpents come in. People start dying uh, because they're getting bit by these snakes. And uh, verse, 20, verse 8 <clears throat> Excuse me. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. So what he told Moses is, Make like what you see these things, make an image like that. Uh, so Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole, and so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. So this, this snake, this bronze snake is wrapped around this pole, if you will, the stake set up so that anybody who got bit could just look at that snake and be healed and live. 
You know the symbol for the medical association? That's, what, that's where that came from, the snake on the stake, the snake on the pole. All right. Now, John chapter 3, this bronze serpent. Watch this. Jesus speaking, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. What he's saying is, that's me. That's me. What was there was a symbol, was a shadow, was a type of the real thing right here. That's me. Watch. That whoever mm-hmm, believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. See, this is the beauty of the good news of the gospel. This is the beauty of our salvation. Just to look to him as the one who died for our sins, as the one who was buried, and as the one who God raised from the dead three days later. We just look to him as that sacrifice. We look to him as the one who bore all of our judgment, all of our sin, all of the consequences of our sin. We look to him on that cross, and and we are at that moment healed of every disease, of every iniquity, forgiven and given life everlasting. They didn't have to do anything, but look at it so that you and I would understand today that salvation comes by grace through faith and that not of ourselves, not of works, lest anyone should boast, not by any effort on our part, but only by what Jesus Christ did for us. He's the only one that has the ability to save us from our sins. And when we observe that by faith, we say, yes, I believe that. It's at that moment. Hallelujah. Everything changes for us. Our whole nature changes. We become a new creation in Christ. Old things go away and everything is made new in him. He is that bronze serpent that was lifted up in the wilderness. He is the one who would, when he would be lifted up, the scripture says he would draw all men unto him. Remember, the spirit of God is on you. Be ready to prophesy. Be ready, in other words, to reveal God's knowledge to men, to help comfort them, to help exhort them, to help encourage them. And remember that God is able to do anything. He can talk through a donkey. Hey, he'll talk through somebody he loves very much. He'll talk through a false prophet. He'll talk through, through you, Stephen, yeah. his son, Amen. who he loves very much. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Father, I want to thank you so much for all these who are here today. Thank you for your blessing upon their lives, God, that they are blessed and they will be a blessing. Thank you for this great salvation by which you have saved us. Father, we want to say as a church, thank you for these two new locations now. Thank you that you brought these things to us and that your blessing is upon Brandon and Sarah as we will pray over them next week. Lord, thank you for increasing us and increasing our influence in this area, Lord. Giving us an inheritance in the earth. Actually, giving Jesus an inheritance. He was the one who looked to you and said, or you said to him, ask of me and I will give the nations as an inheritance to you. And somewhere along the way, he asked, hallelujah. Father God, we're here to help Jesus get his reward for his great sacrifice to bring as many people into the kingdom of God as we can that's within our power. Father, I I know there are some here today who need a change in their life. They need something to change, whether it might be in their bodies health-wise, 
maybe in a relationship, God. They need help. They need your help. But your scripture says that you are a very present help in time of need. There are some here who need help in their finances. Lord, whatever it may be, you are able and willing. You said in your word that you would supply all of our need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So we, by faith, we look to you. We look to you. We look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, even right now. And I pray right now that hope, hope would spring forth in hearts and lives today. And faith, Lord, would be increased in their lives by hearing the word today that faith has come so that they would realize that we have the victory no matter what through our Lord Jesus Christ. He said in this world, there is trouble. You will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And we thank you for that. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for restoring today, God. Thank you, Lord, for renewing hope in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for making minds sound today. Minds that are restless, God, that they would be quieted and stilled by the peace of Almighty God. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for these things. Amen and amen. Praise you. Let's stand together. I want to read one last passage of Scripture over you, a very familiar passage of Scripture to many of you, found in Numbers. I didn't even realize this was in Numbers until I came across it. Numbers chapter 6. And if we, all, if we could all, I'm just going to pronounce this blessing over you, and then you're dismissed to go today. Is that all right? Can we just lift our hands to the Lord today and just receive this blessing, just receive this declaration? The Lord gave a command to Aaron and his sons, the priests, to pronounce this priestly blessing over the people. And so I do for you today as well. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We would like to invite you to one of our service times in either McKinney or Dallas. Sunday mornings in McKinney at 9.30 and 11, and Wednesday evenings at 7, and in Dallas, 10.30 Sunday mornings, and our 1 o'clock One Cause Dallas Espanol service. You can find out more information about our church at onecausechurch.com. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, there is also a link on the front page of our website.